0: fans we're back Pat's tailgate party podcast coming back again Uh, we are this is postseason version of the podcast Michael Lake is here I don't know i seriously I said it uh, in pre-show to the guys here I don't know what episode we're on Uh I know it's usually a bit but anybody <laughs> does anybody know what episode we're on
1: I think literally we're not counting <laughs> uh, we counting, right? Stop. <laughs> we look we look like the early and late season Patriots offense and <laughs> defense. You got the little we're we're, we're less than stellar uh, oh. and executing right now. How about oh. post
0: Brady one? There you go. Post post Brady one. I think we're. I think I'm gonna take a wild guess here. I think we're seventeen. I think Does that sound right? right. I feel like yeah. we're seventeen. In the descriptions, by the way, I stopped counting episodes, which is funny to say that now. I put what we talk about so uh, to drum up more listenership, which Andrew, you continue to say it drums up every every week. So yeah, I think uh, we're at about forty six. Yeah, <laughs> that's gone up all seventeen episodes, uh, but we're happy to be back. We got a lot to talk about, man. The news never stops on the uh, on the Patriots. It seems uh, at least this year, it's been. Wow. I mean, it's been something since the Patriots got knocked out of the playoffs. It's been news, news story after news story. So before we get into that, we'll uh, we'll kick it around the room here uh, again. Michael Lakis on Boston Sports Journal. You can find me at Pat Sox Seltz Brews. Speaking of Boston Sports Journal, if you haven't gone on to Boston Sports Journal, Boston dot com. Greg Bedard puts on the best product for the New England Patriots uh, and Boston Sports, in my opinion that you'll find. So jump on there, bostonsportsjournal.com. Articles, videos, game breakdowns, columns, and it's fantastic. So with that, I'll pass it over to you, Andrew.
1: Yeah, hey, guys. Good to be with you after a little hiatus there. Uh, I'm Andrew Lagos, uh, winter coats on BSJ. Uh, I've been having some fun posting lately. I think I broke a personal record on my Tom Brady tribute post. I think we we surpassed 40 likes, which is great, because normally I get a lot of downvotes. Um, but no, I, I'm glad to be back with you guys. A ton has been happening. Um, and you know, I think as a fan, I hate not having football to watch, but I also do actually like this part of the off season, like who's moving, who's staying, what, what we need to look for in the draft. Uh, and so, yeah, excited to be back with you guys today.
0: Awesome. Very good. Very good. I think you broke the, broke the word limit on that post also. I mean, Greg needs to, he's <laughs> a follow the Twitter uh 140 words obviously.
1: <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you know it just starts flowing and you got to get it all out there
0: sorry right. i did it on linkedin by the way uh with brady andrew real quick before we go to go to you mike i put it on linkedin and i uh i actually replied to his retirement post which he'd never replied to but i put our picture on there when we met him uh, and told him that we met him in person so if you ever find that on linkedin it's pretty cool uh,
2: all right mike davis mike how are you today I am. Fantastic as usual. Mike and Stoneham is my handle. And uh, I got to say, if you aren't reading Greg's stuff, you aren't getting caught up on what's going on this offseason. And you know, I think the next time we get together, we're going to talk about what the team has to do and team building. And boy, his stuff has been dead on this week. Great stuff to read. And and I, I got to give Sean a, a special shout out because I haven't given a rat's you know what about the Red Sox. But man, that that guy is writing some quality stuff right now, too. So. Um, so just, you know, shout out to BSJ. Great site, best, best paid content on the web, period, paragraph, end of statement. I love it.
0: Going deep in the coffers with the Red Sox talk right now. Love it, Mike Davis. All right. Doug
3: Lakis, how are you today? Hey, guys. Coach. Glad to be back after a few weeks off. <laughs> d Lakis on BSJ. Um, I'm excited to talk some of, I like the priest this off season as well. I'd rather be watching the Patriots every Sunday, but. It's fun to see what's going to happen down the road.
0: Absolutely. I'm in a joking mood today, so I'll tell you, Dad, we're going to send you a manual on how to fix your name on BSJ, how to change it. It's a little late now, Mike, but it's okay. We'll have a Zoom call. Just we'll walk
2: back you through.
1: Coach, man, I don't know that anybody else on there is good. has coach as their handle. You just be coach. I
2: think just Coach Lakers works, though, man. It's, I don't know. It's, it's I, ideal. I, I think you just go,
0: Andrew. I mean, 90 sitcom, you know you go coach man you just put I got, it. I got you i think it's pretty nelson that joker <laughs> that's right coach exactly right that's exactly right all right so let's right, get, we'll it. get it done yeah okay sounds good i'm sure we will <laughs> I'm sure oh man that's funny all right let's jump into the news so uh we got a literally like a laundry list of stuff to talk about here but First thing, uh probably the most recent news, uh, the Patriots rehired Joe Judge was with the Patriots uh with in many facets from 2012 to 2019. Uh, when he really shined, I guess you could say, was when he was a special teams coordinator. He worked his his way up there. And uh and and then if you if you fast forward to to 2021, last year, you look at Cam Acord and how the Patriots special teams performed, uh, you know, led the league in block punts, uh, just uh, among other things that went wrong with special teams. The interesting thing about this hire, though, is that he didn't get hired as a special teams coordinator. He got hired as an offensive assistant. So I don't know exactly what that means. Uh, I hope that he's not the offensive coordinator is the first thing that I'll say, uh, because I'd still like the Patriots to hire. Bill O'Brien or, or I'd even, I'd even like Adam Gase, uh, who's a better coordinator than was a head coach, but I really hope he helps with special teams. I don't care what his title is he could be janitor for all I care, as long as he helps out with the special teams. Um, so I'll pass that around the room. Let's chew on that for a minute. Uh, what do we think about the Joe judge hire?
3: I, I think it's a great hire. Um, again, keeping it in context, for him to be, I hope, like you said, Mike, the special teams, offensive assistant, but Belichick hires in that uh, mode though, where he brings a guy and he doesn't really give him a title and then winds up, you know, I guess, putting him where he he thinks he needs him. So um, judge
2: judge will add to that staff for sure. And I think right now that's a big thing. Yeah. I mean, the brain drain has been real, real. I mean, with, with, with Josh leaving and, and, Ziegler leaving and Ziegler taking or Josh taking the quarterbacks coach with him. This team has steadily lost some really good, solid coaches and they brought Patricia back for better or for worse. Now they've got Joe judge back. Um, I I think it's a good sign. I hope there's a lot more coming. I hope we, we see some more help in the front office. I hope we see some more guys coming back to help on both sides of the ball. As you said, I hope we see a, a seasoned offensive coordinator. Would love to see them bring somebody, you know, back to be um a seasoned voice on the on the defensive side of the ball and and belichick seems to have wanted to move himself up to more like a ceo role good do it put you know give somebody special teams and give somebody offense and give somebody defense and then you can float and do what you do great and but at the end of the day you know that they can't change the practice schedule and i know it sounds like a broken record but if you don't have enough time to practice all those things for special teams how how are you going to fix it right so that that is hard. And I get it. Other teams didn't do as poorly, but if your focus of detail is taking time and there isn't enough time to do what, you know what I mean? Like there's only so many hours in a practice.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, the way I see it, we've, there's, there's two positives here. Uh, the first is with the brain drain that's happened. I mean, just getting anyone back who's been a successful position coach with the team has got to be viewed in a positive light. Um, and then, second, like, thank God, hopefully, Joe Judge won't be doing interviews uh, or, you know, post game interviews because he really did a number there in the last oh. couple of weeks the season as Giants head coach. Uh, I want him nowhere near that podium. So, hopefully, uh, that's a positive. What are you, what are
0: you talking about? I think We're not, that's you know, a
3: safe bet. What, you
0: want You want to? Hit, you don't want to- <laughs> You don't want to hear about internal meetings where guys said they take less money to play for the giants. Come on, man. Are you kidding? Yeah, me? Man. You don't want to hear about that?
1: No, oh. he, he lost his mind, but you know, hopefully he can recharge refuel uh, up in Foxborough. Uh, I mean, I do think that I, I don't, I'm a little worried um, that the giants were um, I think 31st in the league over his tenure in offense. Um, so I really hope this is not all that we're adding to the offensive side of the ball and that he's not gonna be the play caller. Um I would I agree with you, Mike, that having Gase or Bill O'Brien or somebody else come back who's actually run, you know, run an NFL offense as the play caller would would still be high on my list of things that I'd like to do.
0: I'm I'm a little worried. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm a little worried that uh Bill O'Brien's not gonna leave Alabama. And I I, I know it sounds weird. Because it's it's a pro job, but there are like rumblings and sources saying that he's he wants to stay at Alabama, which I find interesting. Um, which I'm good. I, I literally I'm good with Adam Gase. I mean, Adam Gase took Peyton Manning when they were in uh, in Denver, essentially grabbed the Colts' offense, made it work in Denver with Peyton Manning, and formed it around him. I mean, they could do, he could do the same thing with McDaniel's uh, offense in New England. Like I think he's a smart offensive mind, um, but we'll see. I mean you know we'll we'll see what happens there i i will say i agree with all of you guys though when you're talking about the uh the brain drain and just needing to bring in a smart mind with that uh exciting uh news there hopefully we continue on with more coaching hires let's uh, let's shift a minute and go into arguably well i don't i'm not gonna say arguably the biggest nfl retirement and biggest patriots retirement maybe Uh, i don't know if it was a Bucks retirement or Patriots retirement. Uh, we could talk about that also. But uh, TB12, Tom Brady, after 22 years, hangs it up. Uh, obviously, the GOAT, obviously, the best NFL player to ever play in the game. Seven championships. I'm not even going to read the accolades because I don't have them in front of me. And it's a, I got to get a scroll out to read them. But we all know who he is. We all know what he did. Uh, <clears throat> Andrew, you talked about your post. I talked about mine. I mean, I, you know, It was weird. It was a sad day, but it was a celebratory day Uh, as probably the greatest, one of the greatest uh, sports figures and and absolutely one of the greatest Boston sports figures retire. So I'll just, I'll just throw that around and, and, you know, any thoughts on that? I mean, it's, you know, let me tell you this first, I was shocked that he retired. I mean, he was still, he he probably is going to win the NFL MVP this year. Still threw more passes, I think, than he did the year before. It still looks like he's 25 years old, not 44 years old. And I was shy. I thought he'd go out with another Super Bowl, uh, or until he just couldn't play anymore. So that that to me was kind of the biggest revelation. Is it was shocking. But what do you guys think?
2: I think Governor Baker is not going to run for reelection, so he had to retire in time so he could become governor of Massachusetts. <laughs> you know, all this PR he's done recently to make himself super popular here in Mass, so that he could. No, I'm just kidding. But. <laughs>
0: i that i don't know if he'd get voted in massachusetts that's a separate topic but uh i don't know if, if they would vote for him, in massachusetts based on the political swing uh but anyway
1: uh, <laughs> andrew I, yeah i mean i think um i mean just to recap a little bit what i put in that post that it was just kind of spur of the moment that morning as the news just coming out i mean i i i don't think i mean i always i mean he's the greatest i like There's so many memories of Tom Brady that I have that will forever shape being a Patriots fan and, and probably being a football fan. I mean, even last year I was rooting for him with the Bucs. I think the thing that stood out to me that I probably appreciate more and more each passing day is when you have such a clutch performer as the greatest player on your team for a prolonged amount of time, Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, um, the the just this Absurd confidence you have is so unique in life. I mean, I don't think for 20 years there was a single day, right, wrong, <laughs> indifferent, that I wasn't like, oh yeah, we're good. Like even if we get down, we're good. Um, I don't care who the other team is, how good they are, we're good. And that's just so rare. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I think I've felt it the last two years watching this team and realizing how much I t- took that for granted. Um, and I think it's what made made Tom Brady you know, not only a successful quarterback, but honestly one of the greatest athletes we've ever seen. Like his his ability, his drive and his determination and his ability to focus when all around him was going sideways is something that I don't know that we'll ever see again. And, you know, it's not fair to put that on Mac Jones or Cam Newton or anybody who comes after him because nobody's going to match that. I mean, it just is truly what made him remarkable. Um, and so, you know, I think, I moved on from that as a Pat's fan a couple of years ago, obviously, but as a, as a fan of the NFL, it's just sad that he may not be in the league anymore and we may not see that grit, determination and excellence every Sunday.
3: Uh, I think too, I was watching the last couple of days, I've been watching some of the old Patriots Super Bowl uh, games. And I think the biggest tri- one of the biggest tributes to Brady amongst all of that is when the guys on the other team are sitting on the bench during the game, and they're ahead. And they say, you know, one of the guys will tell him, we got this. And the guy sitting next to him says, they got 12 on the other side. <laughs> so, I mean, that that kind of confidence and maybe lack of confidence goes, you know, flies over to the other sideline. Andrew, that was well said. There's not much else to say. The guy's been phenomenal. And, um, you know, the NFL is, is will hurt without Brady for sure. Um I, I, you know, I hate he didn't stay in New England, but that's, you know, that's a subject for another day. But he he's just the greatest of all time. And and that goes kind of without saying anymore.
2: So. So, Andrew, I think the 28 to three, when you see people put 28 to three, that's that that, you know, you're never out of it with Brady and they're always he's going to bring you back. I think that one little 28 to three encapsulates everything you just said. So, so intelligently and so articulately. So at least that for me, that was, it, you know, 28 to three is, hey, we're never out of it. Hey, we're never going to, as long as we get number 12 on the sideline, there's always hope. There's always a reasonable chance that you can bring back. And I think a lot of times this year, we we kind of felt 28 to three when we were coming back. But the difference was we would come back, but we wouldn't come all the way back, right? We'd get close. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. And And look, anybody who was upset about him not including the Patriots in his retirement statement or whatever, just get out. I, I'm sorry oh, you feel upset. On, Mike, just come get on it. now. Come on just now, Mike. Out.
0: Don't do that, Mike. Don't do that. I, I don't as know I, if I ten, agree with that. As ten as Super Bowls,
2: however many AFC championships that man owes us nothing. He left everything on the field there. I, I'm just good. Like, you know, y- well, I, you're the one who go, – go ahead, Andrew.
1: I'm not a big conspiracy theorist because I think life usually is better understood as the simplest explanation, but I do think um, the news yesterday or the day before my days are blending together – Um, that he kind of said, I'm done for now, but never say never. I do think it's interesting when you then go back and read his retirement post that was all about the Bucs because it does make me wonder if, you know, he subliminally, subconsciously, he kind of knew he was moving on from the Bucs. This may be it. It may not be it. And wanting to do right by the Bucs and their fans to kind of say goodbye and not murky it (laughs) with the Patriots. Because if I were not so certain that I'm done for good. That's what I would do. I mean, I would, I would say goodbye to the team I'm with now and try to be an upstanding classy guy. And he may three or four months from now, I guess not three or four, probably six months from now, later in camp end up with the Niners or the Titans and give it another run. And I think if that's the case, then his, his message makes more sense to me with the Bucs, but it also could be that he's still bitter and angry and part of what made him, you know, have the determination and drive to never be out of it is that he holds grudges and that he still doesn't like the fact he had to leave New England the way he had to leave New England. And so I, I don't know. I mean, to, to layer on a little conspiracy there, it it wouldn't shock me if he comes back later in the summer for one more run. Uh, but just with a different team, I mean, the bucks aren't going to be as good as they were Bruce Arians is a hot mess. Sorry, dad.
3: Uh, (laughs) i just said i look like him i didn't say i'm like him well
0: andrew to be fair to be fair too if you go if you and i was uh, to be uh, you know i was uptight about the fact they didn't mention anybody in the Pats organization or the fans is probably what made me most uptight uh, about his his uh his uh ig post but to, to be fair then i went back and i read his post from when he left the patriots in 2019 it was our it was like linear it was the same thing but it was to the Patriots. So he already gave the post to the Patriots when he left the team. So he may be doing that piece right when it, when, when um, you know, when he leaves a team and it could leave the door open for him coming back. I want to say one thing not to go uh, you know, obviously I, I, it was really well said Andrew, what you said, but I want to, I want to say one thing, and this is going to not be fun for probably Pat's fans to hear And we already knew, you know, he was the greatest all time. I mean, Andrew, you and I used to say it in 2004, that he's the greatest of all time. Like we knew back then, right? But for the whole world, stay with me here, not for Patriots Nation, but for the whole football world that used to go Brady Manning and have all these arguments and yada, yada, yada. I think there were two things that made him the greatest in the NFL on a global stage one 28 to three Mike which is what you're talking about the fact that he did that showed the world like that ended the argument but then the fact that he left Belichick and did it again with a new team in year one with Tampa without Belichick with the hot mess Bruce Arians and he ran the offense on that team and did it again and won a Super Bowl I think separated him and Belichick where if he just would have stayed with the Patriots there always would have been an underlining well was it Tom, or was it bill or was it a little bit of both and the fact that he separated himself for a year and did it alone really propelled him to where he is now as the greatest of all time so it sucked to see him do it with another team but I was rooting for him also but I think if you take those two things in my opinion those were the two things that really propelled him upwards
2: so well, two things point. number one I'm oh, sorry go ahead coach no, I was going to say to your point Mike
3: it's a great point I think he still, they still established over that twenty-year period that he and Belichick were the greatest coach-quarterback combination in in the history of the NFL. So then he goes and wins it on his own. So now he's established two, you know, two gateways, if you so so to speak. And I think he's he's accomplished exactly what he set out to do.
2: So, so Mike, the two things I was going to say is you're right. That was the only thing Manning had over him is he had won a Super Bowl with two different teams. So Brady's like, okay, check that off the list. Now there's absolutely nothing anybody has over me. But but number two, the other thing I was going to say is that, you know, he did solid by the Bucks because by saying, giving his announcement when he did, it gave them time to start looking around and trying to find his replacement, not after the Super Bowl, but now when that tampering is really critical, you know, whether it's Aaron Rodgers or, or um, you know, any one of those premier quarterbacks that's going to be on the move, they've now been able to start putting their ducks in a row and start trying to figure out who's next. And by him putting his hat in the ring and saying, I'm done now, it gave them much more time. I mean, when one of the things Brett Favre did that killed his team and then the Patriot, you know, that, that, that Brady did to the Patriots was dragging it out so long, right? Nobody knew who that slot was going to be. So they didn't have time to recruit the replacement. That's right. It's a good call. A uh, couple more points
0: real fast. No, I want to get into this. Uh, this, this lawsuit news this bombshell lawsuit news that I know we're passionate about. So one, I think Brady's going to come back for because I I heard a stat the other day that George Blanda still has the record for any quarterback with passing yards (laughs) over the age 44, I think it was, or 43 or something like that. Minute Brady sees that or hears about that. He's going to come back. Even if it's just for a game, I think it's only like 200 or 300 yards. Right. So he can't lose to George Blanda. Uh, And second of all, Damn it. I want our third round pick back and I want our money back and all this stuff for this friggin' deflate deflate gate scandal that the NFL covered up. That pisses me off. I want all that stuff back. Yep, that's right. Perfect storm. I want it all back. It's friggin' that is that I don't know if you guys read that. We're not going to get into it too deep right now. Yeah. But they friggin' covered up the evidence. It was old a news. The a sham from the old beginning. Old news. Like it's old news, but they stole graphics picks from us. They took money from us, and I want it all freaking back.
2: Have 31 been, to man. 1, man. That's oh, just man. the other owners trying to get their piece of flesh out of the Patriots because they were too good. That's uh, all it was. I want that rudger
0: safety that we would have drafted with that third round. I want that. <laughs> Play, that kicker for Marshall. All right, I want those guys back. All
1: right. Well, I think <laughs> I mean here's what I, here's what I here's what I'd say to that, and I think it's a um, it, it may serve as a segue to this conversation about the the lawsuit. I mean, you know, first of all, you can't go back and relive it that way because at the same time, I mean, Brady, it, in many ways, I think it fueled Brady. I mean, he came back after that suspension and won another two Super Bowls and and worked hard, and it and it kind of put that you know, he doesn't need a lot of excuses for a chip on his shoulder, but he'll find them. But I also think like the, the way the NFL operates, you know, point, the connection here is that the, the very same way they they buried that and never took accountability for it and weren't transparent about what was happening is exactly what this lawsuit is raising the forefront here. It's, it's not necessarily that there's, you know, one or two villains in this. I mean, everybody's been talking about did Bill Belichick do something wrong? Can he get in trouble? And the reality is, it's a systemic issue. It's just the fact that the way the league operates, the way they do business, the way power moves. Um, you know, Brian Flores and whoever else decides to join him has said enough. Like this, you know, in this day and age, in 2022, there are enough models in the in the private sector and the business world of how you can do things on the up and up and and in a way that is actually you know fair and just. And he said this needs to stop and you know, you can get into, does he have a case? Where will it go? Is it a case of sour grapes and all that? And I think it's worthy discussion, but but the reality is it took a lot of courage for him to file that lawsuit, I think. And it particularly took courage when he did it. I mean, I think he was probably gonna get another job uh, and he made a choice to say, maybe I would, maybe I wouldn't, but enough's enough. And I, you know, I think there's merit to it is is what I would say. And I, I think, I hope the NFL takes it seriously. Um, and that some change actually comes from this. Whether Brian Flores ever sees that change or not, or if it's just larger than him, um, I, I think it's the right time for this sort of thing to be reckoned with.
2: So I'm going to start by saying the way it changed in the NBA is when people of color started joining the Millionaires Club, right? When they actually started owning teams. Drake owns the team, right? Uh, uh, the Lakers have minority ownership with Matt. Jordan. Like when they're literally yeah, Jordan, right? When, when, when people of color are at the table, and and sitting in that billionaire's row, then it's a lot easier to call other people out and go, nah, you can't do that, right? Right now, I don't think there's anybody of color out there who's in sitting in any kind of ownership. Sh- Shad Khan is the only one in the NFL.
3: He's doing a wonderful job, yeah.
0: <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about.
3: <laughs> I understand that.
0: I'm <laughs> talking about his, uh, his you know, his results. Uh, no. Well,
1: but I, just to the Shad Khan point, I think, you know, uh, the, the last thing I want to get into is like, you know, what starting to par, uh, parse errors of, you know, separate errors of like who, what minority is who and who's on what. But the, I mean, the reality when you look at this thing and you view it through a systemic lens is that if you look at the disproportionate number of superstar accomplished NFL players that are black, black men, who then have trouble getting hired as offensive coordinators, which now seems to be the pathway to head coach and then getting hired as general managers and then owning a team. If you're, if you're not predisposed to wanting to prove your point, you got to look at that and say something is not right here. You don't go from being a great middle linebacker or a great quarterback or a great player and, you know, in any other industry, you would say like, oh, I bet those people would be really good leaders of men and good managers and good people. We would entrust our di- divisions, sectors, organizations to And the NFL, it just doesn't happen. Like you don't have enough. And when you do, you know, to, to part of Flores's point in the, in the lawsuit. And then when you do those guys get a lot less of a chance. I mean, they that get fired right. a lot faster than mediocre coaches who have even, you know, been great players or haven't been great coaches. I mean, the whole thing, if you look at it open-eyed, I think points to something is wrong here and needs to be addressed.
2: Well, and and look, sorry, go ahead, coach. No, go ahead, Mike. I mean, look, it's it's a billionaires club and it's a license to print money. Denver's getting ready to sell their team. When's the last time a team changed hands, right? They don't happen very often. It changes hands more because the owner dies and hands over to his wife or his son or whatever, right? That's how teams change hands nowadays more often than any other. Um, So you have to have the opportunity, right? Now would be the time for the right group to step in and put together a majority ownership to buy a team like Denver. That would be a place where you could start to see a change, right? Don't tell me there aren't people out there who have the financial means to put together an offer to buy the Denver Broncos. Of course there are. But I think it, it that, might be the place where that, you know, now's the time to take a stand. But the, let me ask you this, Mike,
3: that if, if that were the, to be the case, and I could be wrong about this, but doesn't, don't the rest of the NFL owners have to okay the proposal for them to buy the team.
2: Yeah. But at the what end of the day, it's all innovation. about the Benjamins, right?
1: Look, you know? I, I put this in the, in the comment section of BSJ a couple weeks ago and then got busy having gone back to see what kind of response it got. In in a lot of my work over the last 20 years, I've I've been committed to equity and trying to figure out how to to create industries, systems, and organizations that are more racially equitable. There's four questions you ask when you see a big systemic problem like this. Who has the power? How'd they get the power? How are they using that power? And who who is harmed by the way they're using that power? If If you honestly ask those four questions through the lens of the NFL there is no way you can walk away and say, okay, there isn't some racial inequity built into the way this operates. Of course. That doesn't mean there's bad actors. That doesn't mean that people are bigots. That is a completely different conversation. It's a matter of, you know, Mike, you just said it. Most of these folks have power because they became millionaires with the growth of the league. These aren't even actually good businessmen in most cases. They they bought a team and that team became a billion-dollar enterprise over about a 25-year period of time. They hand that power down to the people in their family or that they are comfortable with. They then make decisions to surround themselves by people they are comfortable with. And who's on the outside in this scenario? It's people like Brian Flores or David Culley or Hugh Jackson. And I think You know, it's just it's disheartening to see where this debate goes and how we try to take a macro big systems challenge and then start to make it about individual people. You know, Uh,
0: let me let me let me ask another question on that, uh, based on what you're saying. And it kind of goes into what both of you guys are talking about. But but sometimes I have to, I have to, as if my mind goes off into that, into the different areas of this conversation, I sometimes recenter myself with the question. I think it was one of the questions you asked, how did they get that power? And I sometimes go back. And if we're talking about a system or we're talking about uh, the system of our country from, you know, the 1600s and on, I look at the inequity and equality of the time, obviously the most glaring being slavery and moving on into, into Jim Crow South and into history. And there's a lot in between there and a lot of stuff that happened. But I, I sometimes think about the gaps in economics and the gaps in uh, in education and the gaps in uh, equal rights in the country. And then I fast forward my brain to 2022 and I go, well, there's no doubt why there's a systematic problem in our country. Look at what happened in the... In the uh, early origins of our country and how this country was built on the backs of forced labor and on the backs of things that happened uh, that were specifically uh, oppressive to to minorities and people of color. And so I, I sometimes have to, I'm just adding that in for a little bit of context. When we get in, we there's a lot of times when we have these conversations where we get, we find little red herrings and things where we just, oh, well, no, it's not bigotry. It's not overt racism. And that's not that that's not what we're talking about here. What Flores is talking about is a systematic problem, and you said it really well, but a systematic problem uh, of, of, of racial inequity in the NFL that frankly stems back to a bigger societal issue that's gone on in this country for four to 500 years. So I just want to, I'm just kind of throwing that out, I guess is something that I have to do to, to, to continue to educate myself or continue to see both sides of the ball, specifically as a white guy who doesn't have to, who doesn't really understand or live in that worldview Of someone who may experience that, I have to sometimes stop and just listen and just ask questions uh, and and not immediately get defensive or not immediately say, well, that's not right. I sometimes have to go, well, hold on a second. What does history tell me and what does this person's experience tell me that I can't quite comprehend or understand simply because I don't live in their skin? So so I just want to throw that out there maybe as context as we're having this conversation on how I personally look at uh, or recenter myself to
2: this issue. I mean, let's, let's bring it back around to football for a second. How many of you would be upset if Brian Flores came back and was the defensive coordinator for the Patriots? I know I'd be ecstatic. Lawsuit be damned. You know, if he's going to add talent to the team, that was probably as good a defense as we've had in a long time when that man was calling the shots. Oh, absolutely. Whatever color bring him back, man. I don't care what that is. And you know, if, if I'm, if I'm Jonathan Kraft and Robert Kraft, I'm like, do you remember that 31 to one, you know, this whole deflate gate Mm -hmm. thing. I, I I don't care if he's suing the rest of you I'm hiring him and I'm bringing him back. And by the way, I'm going to do him as a defensive whatever so that Miami gets to pay the full freight.
0: Well then, but so here's the issue. If we're, if we're going into football, here's the problem with that is now. And B- Bedard talked about this. Uh, and Bedard wrote a great article on this, by the way, there were some points I agree with some points I I didn't agree with. Greg's a journalist. So he's he's coming from it, from a football angle. Um, you know, there are some things you can read the comments on, on a lot of us had comments on that and some, um, some of the pieces that, um, he articulated well, and some that I don't think he exactly articulated well, or some of the questions that he asked, but I, I worry now, and I don't know, I mean, this is what Andrew just talked about. I, there's the conversation now that did, did Flores burn a bridge with Belichick when he put his text messages out there as Belichick being an overly private guy. Um, whether it was the right thing to do, which I think it was, uh, or the wrong thing to do now, the question is, I don't think he'll ever come back or people don't think he'll ever come back because Belichick won't rehire him based on the fact that he broke his trust. So for whatever that's worth, I would love to see him back as the defense selfishly. Yeah. He's the best. That's the best defense we've had since I, other than the early Patriots teams, when Cornell was running the defense, it's the best defense we've had in that entire 20 year period outside of those early years. So yeah, I would love to have him back. I just don't know if that's a reality now based on the fact that he shared those text messages uh, without Bill knowing. Not saying he shouldn't have. I think he should have. And I, I, I commend him for doing so. Uh, but he even said he probably won't get the opportunities they normally would get because of what he did, which is which is the true which is the true test of courage, which Andrew is what you said, which is why I commend him for doing call
2: it. Call me crazy. I don't think he shared it without Belichick knowing. I think he, he was like, he hey, Bill. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care. I think Bill was like, this screws the Giants. This screws the, the Buffalo Bills. This is what's in the best interest of my team. Bring it on, Brian. Bring Mike, it on. You go go slash and burn, baby. Slash Mike, and burn. Mike, I
0: think you're the total opposite of thinking the, the simplest answer is life. Uh, based, on, based on what Andrew just said. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Andrew, go ahead. Yeah.
1: No, I, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know that we'll ever know. I mean, I, I do think... Um, I, yeah. I mean, I disagree with Greg on this front. Like I, you know, maybe there's a world where Flores and Belichick have a conversation first and he says, hey, I'm not, I'm not giving you a heads up because I want to get your permission. I'm just giving you a heads up so you know what's coming. Um, but, you know, c- courage and, and taking a stand on one's convictions, especially when there's a real cost to it you know, those things are complicating and possibly distracting factors, right? I mean, if Brian Flores is sitting around wondering, how's this going to land with Bill Belichick? Should I do this or not? Then he's already missed the moment to to take a stand based on his convictions. I mean, I think, Mike Davis, to to your broader point, like, yeah, I'd hire him in a heartbeat. And he's clearly a great leader of men. He clearly knows what he's doing. In the face of an owner and an organization that was trying to caused them to lose and him to be unsuccessful. He was too successful. I mean, just imagine any other job interview in the world where somebody says, you know, in the face of all adversity and odds stacked against you, you somehow figured out how to be wildly more successful than you thought you could be.
2: So, yeah, I so, mean in a heartbeat. so guys, the first time I read the, the, the screen shares, I was totally on board with you exactly like what is he doing 69 year old man needs to hire a grandkid to you know manage his social media and his texts and all that then i went back and really carefully read those text messages belichick comes out looking like a hero oh i misread their text message right read it it's almost like he was very carefully wording every sentence in what he posted I i think that it was very carefully crafted for him to help Brian Flores out and not get into trouble. Oh, they're going with like, read it
0: again. Oh read yeah. No, carefully. He, he, he didn't text the wrong person. I, I think, uh, I think Ben Volin came out and said, and, and reread it So said, no, he didn't text the wrong person. He texted the wrong Brian based on the information he got from the bills. Like literally he thought the bills were saying Brian Flores, not Brian DeBall. That's the problem. It wasn't a, it, it wasn't yeah, a,
1: Now, now out. think about that though. Uh, just to uh, you, you know, I told you at the start, I'm not really a big conspiracy theorist. But think about what you just said. Why would the bills be tech right? around? I agree Bronx.
0: with you. I agree I mean, with
1: you. I, I, and and by the way, I mean the 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 one thing that gives me pause and makes me think Mike Davis might be right on this front is. When in your life have you ever known Bill Belichick not to be a maniacally detailed stress? Yeah, that's he right. Did. Everything and that man does has a purpose, whether ulterior or direct.
2: And Mike, if you're screaming, I want that third round draft pick back and how unfair they were, how do you think Bill Belichick feels? Yeah, that's, nope. I-, I mean, you were just typifying his reaction. I man, agree. now here's the proof that they screwed me. Okay, guess what, guys? Right back at you.
0: <laughs> Look, man,
2: I, I, yeah, no, I, listen, I would love that to
0: be the case. I'd love him to get Flores back. As weird as it sounds, though, I'd really love Flores to get another head coaching job uh, instead of coming back as their defensive coordinator in a perfect world. But, uh, but you know, again, I think that he probably understands that may not may may not happen at this point. Which again paints the picture to a bigger problem of what we're talking about: the fact that 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 this is similar to the Kaepernick uh, uh, story that happened in the NFL. The fact that, you know, not to digress us too far, but the fact that Colin Kaepernick never played quarterback in the NFL again is outrageous. I watch backup quarterbacks in the NFL. I watch the majority of starting quarterbacks in the NFL. The fact that Colin Kaepernick never got to play again in the NFL is outrageous. So um, look, look, I think, I think this is something we could spend, hours talking about maybe we'll have a separate podcast just on this lawsuit uh because it goes into so many facets of society so many facets of history so many facets of um just just everyday living that need to be brought to the light andrew i think you did a great job of of uh explaining uh asking those questions i think you know i think those are questions that need to be asked by many people in society, many organizations to figure out a better way to have a more equitable organization in society. And we also have to just listen to other people um, and and understand where other people are coming from and um, understand that our worldview, my worldview, everybody's worldview is not the correct worldview, but there are millions and billions of them out there. And the more we stop and listen to those worldviews and seek to understand, the better off we'll be.
3: Um, I would say this. That in all the discussion we've that I've just listened, it's been wonderful from you guys. But this is a topic that could go on for weeks and weeks and weeks in a in a roundtable discussion with a lot of powerful people. And well, for a lot. And I I think that it's awesome. I think that hiring one black coach or two black coaches in the next two weeks doesn't change anything with the way the NFL runs. And and this just scratches the surface of what has to happen. This kind of discussion, you know, on an ongoing basis with the right people has to happen, and it has to, you know, get deep. So that's right. It's good.
0: Well, I, I you know, kind of have to segue back to football, uh, ironically enough, because there is a Super Bowl coming up uh, this weekend. Uh, man, we should have ended on the. On the uh, lawsuit. I feel like that would have been a better way to end it. But we have to talk about <laughs> the Super Bowl uh, and uh, and talk about who we think is going to win. And uh, man, you know, I saw a video the other day. I think I sent it to you guys of the Bengals fans celebrating after the Super Bowl. It was I I I don't cry often, but there was a little bit of a tear there, probably because it reminded me of how we felt as a fan. one, right? No one, right? Like like just seeing them in that situation, uh, and it was really cool. Uh, to see the Bengals fans celebrate. With that said, my heart is with the Bengals. I know we're we're up against the clock here, so we'll go fast. But my heart's with the Bengals. I think they're great offensively. I think they actually uh, have have pretty solid defensive line, also. Although I think the Rams uh, are smart. Uh, they have just talent all over the place. They have a great defense. Generally speaking, defense wins championships in the Super Bowl. Uh, look what happened last year with Tampa and, uh, and the Chiefs, So I really want the Bengals to win. Unfortunately, I think the Rams are probably going to win uh, and be the second team in a row uh, to win a home Super Bowl game, even though they're the road team, well, in the Super Bowl, which is interesting. Well,
1: let me pull a leak Corso and say, not so fast, my friend, uh, as a Patriots fan, two things stand out to me. I do think this Bengals team has some real strong parallels to the Oh one era Patriots. Um, They shouldn't be winning these games. They do find a way to win these games. I think Joe Joe Burrow is the closest thing we've seen to an heir apparent for Tom Brady in 20 years. Um, He's got kind of an undeniable swagger, uh, just kind of this confidence that I have no idea where it comes from. And he, and he, he makes plays. I think the other thing that just stands out to me, the Rams defense is really good. But if Jimmy Garoppolo could have made a solitary play and Kyle Shanahan wouldn't have had his normal fourth quarter meltdown, then we're not even talking about the Rams right now. The 49ers should be ashamed they lost that game. And I think that the Bengals are a tougher team. I think they've overcome adversity. I think Joe Burrow will make those plays that Jimmy Garoppolo did not make. I don't think it'll be easy. I think it should be a pretty good game. Um, But I'm going to pick the Bengals. I think the Bengals win this game. Um, you know, I don't score. I haven't really looked at the, the lines or the numbers, but I, you know, I think, I think they win it like they've won their last two. I think it's towards the end of the game. It's a close game. I can see them winning. We'll say 27, 24, uh, with this kid, McPherson with a walk-off field goal or a late game. I, and, I'm,
2: Andrew, I'm, I'm my, my, my heart's with you, but my head says, you know, first 50 something years and the home team never gets to host now two years in a row. The advantage that a team has getting to play at home for a Super Bowl is massive. Mike, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. The Cincinnati Bengals were so excited to be going to the Super Bowl. This is going to be such a big thing. And all of the Super Bowl hype and all of Radio Row and all of those things that they're getting pulled into this week. Meanwhile, it's a business as usual for the Rams. They're at home. They're getting to use their own facilities. They're going to do everything the same. They're going to show up. I don't care what locker room they're in. It's just another game in their building. I don't think you can underestimate how much more prepared they're going to be at kickoff. And that I just think with that talented a team, that's just too much to overcome. I would love to see Cincinnati win it. I just think being at home and not having all those distractions and the travel and all of that, that is a massive advantage for them. And with all that talent, that's why I picked them before they, you know, before they played Tampa. And I'm just saying, I think it's too much to overcome.
0: What's Give me a prediction, Mike. Score prediction.
2: By the way, the line is uh,
0: the Rams are favored by four and a half. Over under is 48 and a half. So I
2: actually think it's going to be a blowout, but I would love to see Burrow bring it back. I think they're going to run up on him quick. And it's just a question of can Cincinnati recover? I think they may go out two, three touchdowns pretty give,
0: fast on him. Give me a score, Mike. 35,
2: 21.
0: Oof, that would be a blowout. All right,
3: dad. I'm looking forward to seeing Ramsey and chase. I hope that matchup happens because I think chase is going to run by him two or three times <laughs> and and we'll see what happens. But I, you know, I, I, my heart's with the Bengals as well. I, I really enjoy watching them play. And, um, for that reason, I'm going to say the Bengals are going to win. I think defensively, the Rams the Rams are really really good. And uh, um, I, I, Stafford to me is still an enigma. I, I don't know that what will happen with him in this game. Although he's throwing the cup, and uh, and um,
2: four other Holy guys can catch yeah. the ball,
3: right? So I mean that's a big deal. I think the I think the bag, I'm going to say the Bengals win 31. 31- 27. league. All right. Perfect.
0: All right. We're up against the clock. We can talk about the Super Bowl all day too. We got two Rams, two Bengals. We'll see what happens. I hope the Bengals do win though. Hey, this is episode 17. Air Dobson, best 17 on the New England Patriots all time. Just kidding. <laughs> we'll do that next next week. Enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll be back to talk draft and all more offseason stuff on the next episode.